So I'm Q, this is Bird Road. We got a big show for you all today, but first, uh, some quick housekeeping. Make sure you check out that Facebook live stream that we did last week with Joe Sacco, who's running for Nevada Assembly seat in District, uh, District 16, right in the heart of Vegas. If you landed here because you watched that live stream, be sure that you subscribe, rate, review this show, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, just do all of those things. So my guest this week is uh, here to talk with me about J. Crew filing for bankruptcy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this week, we're actually talking strikes. Obviously, most sectors of the economy have um, ground to a halt. People are losing their jobs. Productivity is way down. But the bosses and bankers, not surprisingly, are still expecting the same amount of labor at the same cost, or they expect their loans to be serviced just like normal, uh, despite the fact that so many folks have been laid off or, or furloughed or experiencing interruptions in their income. And as a consequence, there's this nationwide effort that's building uh, around work and payment stoppages. So uh, like a lot of other sort of knock-on effects of coronavirus, we're beginning to challenge and doubt these things that we had sort of taken as conventional knowledge. Today, we're joined by Priscilla Grimm, spokesperson for Corona Strike. You can learn more about them at coronastrike.us. They're advocating for a people's strike to emerge from the COVID-19 crisis as a healthier, regenerative, and just society. Priscilla, welcome to Bird Road. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to kind of start right there with like this disparity or this like concept of, of solidarity and uh, the way that I really admire the 1% and sort of like the billionaire class for how what great solidarity they have. Um, over the course of the last 23 days, this just came out in a uh, Institute for Policy Studies paper that was released over the weekend. Um, the U.S. billionaire class has increased its wealth by $282 billion in the last 23 days. And it seems like whenever there's a crisis like this that should call for solidarity, there's solidarity, but it's happening across that 1%. They, they kind of get together and they're able to improve their lot. The working class rarely seems to get that chance, but these are really unique conditions. So I'm thinking it might be different. Organizations like uh, Corona Strike are uh, trying to change that which um, can you bring us up to speed on what the organization is doing and what progress you're seeing on that front? So we're a platform and we are more than anything trying to create an accessible channel for anybody to plug into all of the wildcat labor strikes that are happening across the US right now. We've had over 160, I think, at last count, um, wildcat strikes across the U.S. since March 1. And this isn't like anything that's um, called for by a union or an organization. It's literally just people inside, say, a nursing home or at a restaurant just not showing up until their demands are met. And um, usually the demands aren't even that much. They're right. like, let's just have like close to a living wage. They're not even asking for a living wage. They're asking for like a handful of dollars more an hour. Um, and so we, uh, the site came together, um, because we answered the call from an organization called Cooperation Jackson, um, based in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Kali Akuno is the executive director, the leader of, um, Cooperation Jackson, and they are calling for a total economic transformation. And we're like, we're on board. So it was like them and the black socialists like calling for a general strike right now during this time where nobody can pay the rent, nobody's actually working. And the people who are working are in such terrible conditions that they're wildcatting like on their own, um, which is awesome, you know? 
So we really thought that it was important that something be built to uh, help elevate all of these struggles and create a very easy way for everyday people to plug in because, um, and uh, we're working in tandem. Also, there's a website called a people strike that is being developed as well um, with information to do kind of the same thing. It's great. Um, and it's just really important because some, most of the stuff isn't cracking through on the news unless you're following yeah. vice, like a fiend, you know? Right. So, um, and the work has just begun. Like we just finally got the website into like a good working place, uh, last week and time for May one. And then we worked kind of like in the 48 hour, like kind of mad dash, uh, the day before and the day of May one. So we're kind of this week, we're um, about to bring in a lot of live streams from the caravans that happen, from the walkouts that happen, from uh, the rent strike announcements that happen. Uh, there's 190,000 people rent striking, rent striking. at this wow. moment. That's huge. You know, it's happening all over the country. So it's like, there's no better time to do it than now, you know, because everybody's in the same boat. And it's that old saying, solidarity makes us strong. Right now, the working class, despite the fact that, um, you know, money is being siphoned out of the U.S. economy into the pockets of billionaires, we also have like these alternative ways of getting money popping up like gofundme right now has over seventy-seven thousand covid related um funds fun, fun that are being efforts, yeah that are going forward um organizations like iob.org um in our backyard.org they have created a whole way for you as an individual to just start a fund to pay groceries for your neighbors or whatever so like at the same time that we are unable to take care of all this stuff the way we do get money is changing and the way we do get support is changing in um brooklyn where i live uh one of our uh local organizations um equality for flatbush which has done anti-gentrification work for a long time they've raised over a hundred thousand dollars at this point for groceries for people in the neighborhood. And basically what happens is a volunteer like myself will get a text saying, hey, we've matched you with somebody in your neighborhood. Can you go do a grocery shop for them because they have young children or they're older? This is what they need. Go pick it up. We'll Venmo you the money. That's great. That's incredible. I want to. That's way better than FEMA. I, I mean, <laughs> like, definitely a hell of a lot more reliable. I can tell you that is so it's for on behalf of Miamians and Floridians across the state. I can tell you it's way more reliable at the very least. I want to get right. into those sort of what um, might not be traditionally considered, uh, you know, labor or organizing activities that that are that are cropping up now. But you touched on something there at the beginning that I really want to get into with you and, and, and just get your opinion on at least. And that is a little bit of like media criticism. Um, and I can't help, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I can't help but yeah. see the amount of attention in all all 50 states almost that we're seeing around reporting and, 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 and media coverage of COVID-19, quote unquote, reopen the economy protests, but not these various strikes that are so kind of robustly popping up right now. I kind of find it ironic that the reopen the economy people claim to be demonstrating for the working class and to get back to work and the media is so eager to amplify them but they don't seem to really be asking for anything like like 
testing in the workplace or better health care or protective equipment or any other like material testing doctors. No, I mean, yeah. And, and <laughs> the, the actual workers who are striking over all these issues aren't getting anywhere near the amount of coverage. That must be really frustrating for somebody in your position. And, and I wanted to know, like, to what do you owe that disparity of coverage? Well, power only wants us to do one thing, and that is work for the man, right? <laughs> I mean, literally, that's that's the biggest imagination they can present, that we want to work. Not that we want living wages, health care for all, like a million other things that people are striking for. And it serves power to really amplify this messaging of, you know, all we can think of is we want to work, not what we want to do is actually create alternative structures, which is happening. Right? right. Like the biggest to me, the biggest actions that are happening that happened on May 1st are all of the things happening in mutual aid groups across the United States right now, because they didn't have they don't you know, that work isn't something that can be live streamed. What you're going to live stream someone going on a grocery shop for their neighbor, yeah, there's no you way. know, what, what's you know, and, it, and it's actually transforming how we're working together in our neighborhoods. Solidarity makes us strong. Um, these reopen protests, it, it's a very catchy media thing right now because it's there. The country shut down. I predict in the next week or two, we're going to start seeing different things because the rate of infection is just going to be way too high. I mean, the founder of the reopen protest in North Carolina tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. You know, and they're it, passing it amongst it's each gonna other. It's going to have to get through and, and make an impression. And, and they're going to die. Yep. I mean, we have, you know, I think it's like, I, I don't even know the last death number in New York State. I think it's like around 25,000 or something. Mm -hmm. Like we, it was like 3,000 people died in 9-11. That's right. how many times that? Like, I think it'll take a few waves. I think you're right that it's going to take a few waves to really drive home the point with a significant amount of the population that right now is uh, maybe not attending those reopen the economy rallies, but is maybe um, like uh, spiritually on that side that it's going to take uh, some like really clear and, 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 and crystal obvious, you know, Hey, this happened last week. This, I mean, we saw it in Georgia, in Georgia, they reopened on the 20th and uh, I think it was Friday. Friday was the deadliest day of yeah. all in Georgia and exactly. I will be very surprised if they don't close down again this week. Yeah. It's like, like the old Chris, the old Chris rock bit, the grand opening grand closing. And like, that's, <laughs> that's what I, I keep thinking of when I, when I read about this, um, I wanted to get your reaction but it, to it. But, it, oh, but it does go to this larger imagination thing that we have. It's very important that we need to make sure that people are talking about this. Our imagination should be ha having a better quality of life, not getting back to work. Yeah. We should like that time is over. We should not be working three jobs. Like half the reason there's a crystal meth problem is not because people love crystal meth, which is a horrible drug. It's because they need to work. Right. A lot of them need to work and they're working three and four shifts. And the only way you can do that is with crystal meth. Not because crystal meth is an awesome drug. Yeah. Not like mushrooms, you know, yeah. it doesn't. It's more to means like... to an end. But... Yes. <laughs> um, what do you, it's not recreational. What do you make of the news today that an, uh, an Amazon VP resigned? Um, calling the company, quote unquote, chicken shit for firing protesting workers, some of whom are in your home borough of, uh, of, of Brooklyn, I, I, I believe. I think that he should just come out publicly and say he's part of the general strike. That's what he should do. 
Yeah. And he should say the general strike is needed. We've been abusing our workers for how many years? And it's time to end. And they are in the perfect situation. And you know, following the founders of who called for the general strike, Cooperation Jackson, it'd be really interesting if Amazon changed, transformed into a platform cooperative of some sort that is owned by both the users and the workers of it. That would spread out wealth in a lot of different ways. Like they could fundamentally transform the economy, Amazon and Walmart. I mean, there's so much wealth held within and and so much transactional, you know, churn every single day that it would, it would change literally the way that the country works. Yeah. And if you just, I mean, even if you just took like, say 45% of the company and gave it to the workers instead of just a board of directors, the meat the opening wage would be close to eighty thousand a year in both of those companies I, and that would be transformative i think that when you bring up these big transformative changes and this like um using your imagination in a in in a more productive way than imagining just the worst and everything that's coming down the pike you run into this like this buttress that we deal with in this country where we have this rich history in organizing labor but it's in the past, especially for a lot of people today. There's only about, I think, 14 or 15 million workers who are unionized across the country. I think worker solidarity for a lot of Americans is sort of like this relic or a lost concept. How do you try to brush it off and reintroduce it and 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 get it in the forefront so that that imagination can actually happen? I mean, there's been over 160 worker wildcat strikes. I think the imagination is there. Yeah. It's just not, I mean, cause unions have really been made impotent, right? Because of all of the new rules that the nation, that the national labor relations board has to call. Like if a union calls for a general strike, they can be invalidated as a, as to do business in the United States, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it's just about getting the information out there. And, you know, we have the tool of the internet right now, and it's just providing really good spaces for people to get real information about how to organize their workplace and how to do it as a group. And because you don't even have to join a union to do that, you know, and you can, you can work with a local union of whatever flavor and try to see if maybe they can help like, coordinate your efforts, you know, but we have to work together. Like America is all about, the United States is all about this like very libertarian concept, like, you know, obsessed with our freedom, maybe because people like founded the country by going around it, shooting people, (laughs) killing them along the way, you know? And at that point, yeah, you are your one man army, but that's not how the world works. Yeah, especially not anymore. and we need to end it it's over it's not sustainable it's not helpful it eliminates the voices of women and those who are vulnerable who actually should maybe like lead our efforts in all region in all ways um because we need to be more community-minded and efforts need to be led by the most oppressed and by you know the most vulnerable in society and that's not happening right now no, we are literally not. being led by monsters. Not, not, and not, in, not as a matter of normal business prior to this crisis, and absolutely not right now. All those voices that you no. talk about are being mostly sidelined or just kind of colored in a, in a, uh, uh, you know, dismissive way. 
Um, or legitimately left to die, right, yeah. as in the case of people who are in detention centers and prisons. Yep. I wanna, They're being left to die right now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump a little bit ahead as you brought right. that up, because mm -hmm. I think that that's um, one, as I went through this very useful map that's floating around out there, an interactive graphic of all these um, now 160 plus strikes and, um, and work stoppages, a few that caught my eye were ones that are happening inside of detention centers and inside of um, inside of prisons. And we know if we're even even if you're casually following this, you know that those are some of the worst conditions that they're that 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 are extant right now that, that are out there. Um, how does a broader sort of like strike uh, movement align with people behind bars? I can imagine some obvious hurdles and challenges to that. But I'm just wondering, like, that's probably when we talk about the sort of like non-traditional, um, you know, efforts towards solidarity. That's one of them, right? How, what are you seeing on to, to, to that end to try to like align with 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 uh, people who are either being detained or, or in prison? I mean, there's a huge movement right now uh, called Free Them All, hashtag Free Them All. And also a lot of people are calling for decarceration, um, but these are all the same demands that have been coming through on the abolish uh, prisons and abolish police movements, which are absolutely needed if we're going to move past this racist society that we live in. Um, and if we, if people didn't realize it before, we should, it should be crystal clear right now that prisons and detention centers and the military do nothing but create the conditions for worst case scenario of a pandemic. Right. And we're going to be dealing with this stuff for the rest, like in this, on this level for the rest of our, you know, history that's going to be here. And so we need to figure out a total different way and it needs to end now. We need to send people home. We need to give them money. We need to, you know, legalize weed, tax the crap out of it and make sure that supports everybody coming out of the prison system. Um, and free, you know, let people come into the country. I mean, it's not like we don't have the space or the resources. No. We have both. And, it, you know, this isn't like hours to police who comes in and out anyway. It's insane. Right. Yeah. You and know? a lot of people who obviously had spent a lot of their life here already, we were already in the, in the, in the midst of this, um, renewed immigration crackdown when this happened and to, to like, Add that on top of it. It's just like another, like a layer cake of disaster and crisis. It's ridiculous. And racism. Yeah. Overall racism, just generally. It's xenophobia. racism. Um, separate, but kind of closely aligned with that issue is that of, and you touched on it a little, a little bit ago, that of, of rent strikes. And I think that if you put together a PowerPoint of, of things that you wanted to talk to the average American about on this issue, the one that would probably be most foreign to them would be the concept of a rent strike. Yeah. What would a successful rent strike look like and, and what would it achieve? So a successful rent strike would give at least a few months of relief of rent, mortgages, and utilities. A successful rent strike means that the banks are actually divested of some profits. Let's say no, a, mil wait, what, a billion uh, Wait, hang on, two. what? No. There's no way. Can't happen. Cannot happen. I know. I mean, we'd be like sending stuff that would go to the Cayman Islands and instead to people. Like one of the things that I don't think people are realizing that the 500 billion um, uh, original or 600, it was 600 billion 
uh, dollar first stimulus package that was passed right. for coronavirus. Oh, oh, no, the, the, the initial yeah, one like from earlier this year. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. If instead of it going into business loans to banks and gigantic <laughs> staples, like what the fuck, staples? Yeah. Um, and instead it went to, <laughs> right, I mean, and instead it went to every person living in the United States, of which there are 300 million at last count. We would have all gotten a $2.4 million stimulus check. Yeah. You can't tell me that would have taken care of our economy's troubles right, right there. It's you, When you do the math and you figure out how much is allotted at the top. First of all, by the way, the thing that nobody likes to talk about, and it got a little bit of notice, I think, in the very first few days when that stimulus package um, was, was put out there. That this money is conjured into existence. It's not like yeah. it's coming off of some budget somewhere. It's not, yeah. and it's not like it's your household where you have so much income and you can only spend so much. Otherwise, you go in debt, which is a favorite sort of hobby horse of conservative conservatives and and uh, centrists and Democrats too. But it's just a wand is waved and it exists out of nowhere. And then on top of that, there's this artificial. Oh, okay, but we can't wave that wand too much. And, right. and it has to go through the proper channels. One of the biggest, right. one of the biggest, um, I think, uh, frustrations for people has been the administration of these uh, of the subsequent loans and how people who really need them, like it, it, surprise, surprise, has not trickled down to those people. It should have come down in the form of job security, better wages, or continued wage at least, without you know getting shit canned and meanwhile we're seeing an unemployment rate coming up to a, a real unemployment rate probably coming close to like 20 percent at this point only a couple months into this um I, I i guess is there any element of 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 your movement or of this movement that that considers the allocation of of how these funds and how future stimulus should be sort of parceled out because we were talking about rent strikes and ultimately that's a bank problem because ultimately it's a landlord who has to pay up to a bank and again that's another thing that's it's a it's, it's the finance that's why in, in new york state um our uh, new york state we actually have a bill uh to do this that i'm hoping gets passed uh at least by june um to cancel rent and it takes care of it all the way to the banks and it's just like sorry you're just not going to get this money yeah you're not going to become obscenely wealthy for a short period of time exactly so. <laughs> like come on and then um representative uh omar's bill in the house the rent and mortgage cancellation act does the same thing mm. um and these two things we should just be screaming for in every way possible um, yeah, and it is a very, like, it, it is a very strange concept for people, but you know what? So it was a global pandemic and yeah. we all got to it really quickly. So now we got to think like, again, it's changing this imagination of the only way forward is to work our way through it. And instead thinking, what is the, what are the moves of solidarity that we have to make in order to make things better, not just for myself, but for everybody in my neighborhood. You know, yeah. and it's just broadening that idea. And it's hard. I mean, we're yeah. dealing with a, a society in the U.S. that went into panic buying so hard that you wound up with some dude in Tennessee with $10,000 worth of hand sanitizer yeah. in his All garage. stocked up in a, in, a, in a storage shed somewhere. Yeah. And he's only one that we know about. Right. Right? There's a million other 
uh, prep, prep bugs dudes. that are out there picking up. So it's, <sighs> it's it's hard because I feel like you touched on it a little bit earlier when you were talking about the general individualistic nature of our country and it almost feels like sophomore year philosophy to talk about this kind of stuff but it's true it's like we have this you know th this horatio alger shit built into us where we're like oh you know we the, the 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 single strong great man the great man principle right the great man theory yeah. and in times like this when what we should be doing is realizing that many are strong we we look inward and we become a little bit more isolated and it's it's infuriating to see it but you also kind of feel it a little bit like you feel you know you're looking outside your window at a world that like is like passing around a thing that wants you dead and you're like okay maybe i should just take care of me and mine and i think that that's that's a mistake man yeah. it's such a mistake i mean you know even you know in brooklyn things have started getting super weird because everybody's out of work right um my favorite thing before this all happened was literally just wandering around the city, listening to my headphones, you know, and going on the ferry and just like having little adventures every day when I'm not working or doing something politically, you know, volunteer yeah. and stuff. But like that's gone. Um, crime is up here. Like people are getting mugged right and left because they don't have any money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so the only way to really stay safe on the streets here is to be closest to a group of people. You know, right. you don't want to be walking by yourself. And it, it just makes me so sad that I, I think part of the disconnect with this whole, like, we have to work together is the fact that we're all in cars all the time, right? Mm -hmm. In the rest of the United States. Um, if there was a practice of you walking everywhere, being on the streets with other people, it might like resonate a little bit more yeah. or at least be on public transportation on a bus with people or something. But even to the fact when we go from point A to point B in most of the rest of the United States, you're in a car by yourself in an isolated environment. Yeah. Which it's it's for me, that was one of the things and I mentioned it on a show a few weeks ago that how, how infuriating it is um you know because we we talked with a lot of folks who are involved with trying to get more public transportation specifically in florida where it might as well right. not even exist and uh like how the nature of this specific pandemic is one that makes it so much harder because that it's only going to reinforce that inclination to be like your master commander behind your the wheel of your suv and you know drive the four and a half miles to your job and back every day as opposed to yeah, it's it, it's it's so counterproductive, and it, it, I hadn't even thought of it from that way that, that you're that that you're sort of describing here, where it's like also it's community building, and it helps you be outside and outside of yourself, and a little bit more around people. I mean, imagine if the first stimulus package or whatever gets passed to the next one, instead of giving out billions and billions of dollars to these gigantic corporations, instead it gives you enough money for a solid bus line in every city in the United States. Yeah. that you could depend on because that's something that you could easily implement right like buy 200 buses or whatever for a city map it out with google maps where are your hot spots where people work and where they live where are the grocery stores and then just boom you're done <laughs> like like in any other you know civilized place in the world <laughs> it would be I like mean, the first natural reaction i mean it's it's it would be amazing. I mean, you can right now, if you go to any country and you have the right SIM card on your phone and you need to get someplace, 
by public transportation, you just have to get online and put it into Google Maps and it will take you by public, by transit, public transit, wherever yeah. you need, wherever you need to go. I mean, that would be mind blowing and it would totally change the way that we all, um, you know, that we relate to each other because all of a sudden you're in a public space together, like half the time. And that's awesome. That could be awesome with social distancing. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> figure it out. Properly observed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, cause we're kind of going to be stuck for like a year and a half. And when people start running out of money for gas, it doesn't matter how cheap it is if you can't eat. Right. Um, there's this concept that has also emerged during this time of these two classes, like new classes that are almost have a little bit of overlap with each other. And it's the servers and the served and some, and they've always existed, these two classes, but th they're just so starkly highlighted now. Some people occupy both camps and depending on the time of day, if they're logged in on their Uber app, your Uber Eats app, or if they're at home, how does that, um, inhibit or present challenges for solidarity and can it maybe potentially be used to create more solidarity do you think i don't know that's a hard question i mean because those are also um because it's weird i was i was talking about this with a friend of mine about the potential for this virus just to take out both of those because there's the middle right uh -huh. there's people like you and i who can work at home who can choose not to even engage in that system. Right. So we're not like exposed to stuff other than going to the grocery store. Um, but in New York, it's certainly felt because you have like literal billionaires here who are still having their entire staffs come to their houses. The cut uh, with New York magazine just did a whole expose on this. Oh, God. And it, it's like, you have nannies like, begging their employers to use masks and properly sanitize and the employers aren't believing them right and putting uh, them at further risk you know uh, and giving it to their staff of course yeah. so like it, it yeah it's it's really hard and yeah how do you create solidarity around that uh -huh. how how do you demand that the people in power actually um choose to protect us and they're not going to choose to do that on their own we're going to have to demand it and the only way that we can demand it is by not showing up for work yeah and like as far as me as someone who doesn't have to go out into the world unless i totally choose to that's why like i'm so invested in trying to get the corona strike thing as big as possible because usually those kinds of small actions like um one of our team members her mother uh led a sick out at the um nursing home that she works at in texas and wound up getting five dollars more an hour and all the ppe they needed wow. with a four-day sick out which is more than most unions can do in like years but that's all it takes though because yeah it, this is the perfect time nobody's gonna scab right nobody nobody's wants that step job in and do that no i mean oh, yeah they would be already if they, like i mean it's it, it 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 is what i'm consistently have been struck by in the last month was what i think potentially mostly unused leverage exists right now for people who are you know just the instacart world at large the amazon prime world at large the whole foods world i mean it's you we've it, those they've never been more critical those workers than they are now and the leverage exists right there more than it ever has. And what's funny is we always talk about these people 
1099 workers or gig economy workers, right? We always talk about how they have no protections and no health insurance and no benefits and stuff like that. And then on top of it, add in existential health threats like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, they're probably also getting sicker at a far uh, greater rate than the average population at this point, um, which we'll never know because we are never we never tr as a government or as a, as a country, we don't track them. We don't like, we don't know. If you ever want to go on a rabbit hole hunt, like try to figure out how many gig economy workers there are in this country. The numbers are all over they're the map. They're not even able to communicate to each other on those apps. Like all the right. Uber organizing that's happened has happened on Facebook and Reddit because they can't talk to each other on the app, which is insane. That's crazy. And that's when I you know, know that. that like the board of directors is like, fuck that. They're not talking to oh, each yeah, other. Oh yeah, that's a choice. That's, a, that's an absolutely deliberate choice. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you live in New York. I live in Miami. We're both Puerto Rican. And when we talk about um, Boricua, Boricua <laughs> pa que tu lo sepa, when we when we talk about like these international cities, um, I think that the first thing that jumps to a lot of people's mind is this sort of aristocratic, like cosmopolitan concept of like jet setting wealthy people who have like a million dollar condo here and a million dollar condo in London and another one in, in, in uh, you know, in Buenos Aires or whatever. But that's not really what it's like. Most of the people that we're talking about are like working class, putting in really long hours, dealing with social linguistic hurdles. And even at the end of the week, they're still just scraping by. So what challenges do you find in trying to organize in a place like New York? I think that there's a lot of commonality between that, that and Miami. Uh, organize those kinds of workers who have even less cultural context of like American labor and a lot of the topics that we're talking about right now. Well, one of the organizations that I put a lot of time into organizing with, Equality for Flatbush, um, the way that they do it is very, very smart. And they really go to bat at the at the most crucial points that people need help. And so um, they've been helping put together tenant unions and rent strikes for like years at this point. And um, they also do things like they investigate developers. They find out what the relationship is between the developers and city council. And then they go after them in different ways in the press, social media, personally showing up at their doorstep. You know, that those kinds of actions that and like doing the the actual work of just buying groceries for people who don't have them um that's where you have to go i mean you have to go at the most crucial point of help that's needed because you need to build trust amongst people you need to support people on their actual material needs. Um, one of the things that we have on the Corona Strike website is, you know, cash assistance is solidarity. Solidarity yeah. is cash assistance. People need cash. They need to pay bills. They need to get food. They need to take care of their children. They need clothing. Like these are all real things that need to happen. Um, and if you start understanding that that's the stuff that, people really need most in this crisis so that they can relax enough to start opening up that political imagination. All right. That's where that magic happens, yeah. you know? It's almost and, like that's even a that's a luxury to be able to think about that for a lot of people. Right, and you have it is. to give them that luxury to to 
have that bandwidth to process exactly it. like i would really hope that all of your listeners um after the, they listen to this podcast they really go back and do some research about the um organizations working in their hometowns doing this kind of work that's really at the level of like making sure people stay in their homes making sure people have food making sure that people are coming out of jail like and really focusing hard on that and then the magic again will start to happen yeah. but you know the working class i mean i'm a gig worker you know i'm a 1099 worker when i have work um you know that kind of stuff will start to build out I, you just have to like really go to what you, you know it's the time for being esoteric about how we work with a con work with our uh local communities is over yeah. like everything's on fire it always has been but the band-aid has been ripped off through coronavirus and the pandemic and we just have to go to those places of most needed assistance yeah. and that's not voting yeah. like voting's kind of fucked up it, you know um there's a there's You're a telling me i live song. in miami <laughs> oh, yeah. but like there's this great song by um Boots Riley um, and the coup uh, called We Got the Guillotine. And what he's talking about in the song is that it's our labor mm. by not showing up, but it's also each other and our ways of solidarity with each other instead of, you know, violence. I'm kind of glad that, you know, we're dealing like dealing with a pandemic does all the work that people have fantasized about in violent revolutions for leftists like forever, yeah. you know, I, I'm a mother. I created, I literally created life with my body. I, I don't think that life should ever be ended outside of natural causes. Right. So like in my personal view, violent revolutions are not some like the most vulnerable in society are going to be hurt the most in that situation, you know, but if we're building alternative means of mutual aid and, and support, we're going to be able to then build from that to demand everything, yeah. which we should be doing right now at this moment. And you don't have to be, you know, active or even a member of like your local DSA chapter to engage in mutual no. aid. You can do it no. on your terms, in the terms of your life, and however yeah. you can like literally make it happen. It, yeah. So you you're on a phone tree and you're calling a couple of people saying we have these things that we can get to you. Do you yeah. need this? Right. You know. Um, it, so sorry. no, it's, 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 it's true. I, I, I can't argue with it. Um, what, uh, t tell me about, because May traditionally is this month of, um, of, of organizing. It always has been, um, there's never been a May like this before May day came and went. And, uh, what is, I guess, what is a foot amongst all of these various groups to, to make sure that, um, that that the issue stays at the forefront and like what what's what 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 can people look forward to maybe how can people get you know we, we talked a little bit in specifics but broadly how can people get involved and uh you know like what what can we expect from the rest of may in, in this sort of labor and um and this this and strike struggle that that we aren't reading about in the news well, but is happening well you can go to coronastrike.us and you can sign our petition to the people of the united states not to an elected official 
And by signing that petition, then you are joining our email list. And we will make sure that you stay abreast of everything that you need to know in order to get, at least to get you to the right breadcrumb to start searching to find your local groups, right? Um, the teachers union, I think, is calling for a big strike on the 8th. Um, last I checked, which is kind of amazing and should happen because teachers are being so abused yeah. along with healthcare professionals right now right. and gig work, like everybody's being abused. Yeah, right but now. talk about, talk about people who are being asked to do their jobs differently and without the equipment or the resources. I mean, that's the milieu of teachers for decades now, but even, but now it's even worse. They're being yeah, Give how many nothing. of those teachers who were told to go home and start a Zoom thing had the right equipment right. for the, any of that? Yeah, very few. And this is Zoom that's being hacked by child pornographers to put <laughs> stuff into public meetings. Like, it's insane. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah, they're all being abused right now. Sorry, I'm speechless. It's bad. Yeah, um, I think anybody but, who's a parent right now is seeing a lot of, like... You know, we talk about like, um, I, I don't know, I've been, I, I can't help but shake this idea that I have about what's been going on, which is like this, like a veil being pulled off and all these things that mm -hmm. you always just sort of thought and uh, preconceived. The one that I always think is funny is where the the Pope a few weeks ago just said, oh, confession, you can just, just do that at home alone. And it's like, wait a second, I, I, I'm, I'm not anymore, but I was raised Catholic. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to, you're telling me that that was all just like, not necessarily the the scripture that wasn't the rule that I had to go to the confessional I mean like I could I, that's a ridiculous example but like it's one of those things where it's like okay we've always just thought that these are the way things are and there's this small group over here on the left that has loudly and for years been saying no it doesn't have to be that way but now we're really seeing it like we're really seeing that veil be pulled off and you know it's it, it just kind of speaks to that I think I mean, imagine how much better we would have been prepared for the pandemic if instead of colonizers coming to the United States and or coming to North America and killing everyone in their path, um, had followed the leadership of indigenous people. Yeah. yeah. Like we probably wouldn't be living in, like at least in New York, we probably wouldn't have buildings that are like 15 stories high. With population where, density like, like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like a small city in a building. Yeah. I mean, once you get to that level, if the virus even comes in, yeah. like everybody's exposed, it's done. Yeah. On the, on sort of like the topic of climate change, my, um, my our listeners have, heard me talk about um, Jeff Goodell's book, The Water Will Rise, and about how he sort of studied uh, uh, indigenous cultures here in Florida and how they dealt with hurricanes, which have always been around. And the answer was very simple. It's like their their, their life was simple. And yeah, they just yeah. kind of got, everything kind of got blown away for a few days and they yeah. put it back together. And yeah. that, uh, there, there weren't these enormous structures at risk. And, you know, I don't just mean physical structures architecturally, but like, enormous social structures at risk that are, you know, people living right on top of each other and things like that. Oh, Puerto Rico, yeah. they didn't have like oh. all these crazy houses in the hills because they would know that mudslides come and no, you just go to the caves or whatever <laughs> while you ride out the storm. So if, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, be sure to visit coronastrike.us and follow them on social media. Can learn some ways that you can uh, organize your workplace or, or find some of these groups that uh, Priscilla was talking about. Um, uh, Priscilla, where can people learn more about you? 
Uh, I write on Twitter at Priscilla Grimm. Um, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I also, I also write on the remaining Occupy Wall Street social media team on uh, Twitter, Occupy Wall ST NYC and on our Facebook page, Occupy Wall ST on Facebook. So those are some places that I can be found. But, um, on the, on those two channels, I write with a team of people that are all awesome and radical and beautiful in their own way. I'm very lucky woman to work with such wonderful teammates. Priscilla, thanks for coming on Bird Road. Thank you.